بوده Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. March has arrived. Woo! And it's going to arrive in style. Busy day, busy week. Just getting things started in the world of sports as it's still crossover season. (laughs) We got NFL Combine going on, baseball and softball basketball, basketball conference tournaments, high school playoffs. We'll tackle it all for you as we typically do every weekday morning here on RP3 and Company. Good morning. Hope you are having a tremendous day. Hope you woke up with vigor. Hope you had a great night's sleep. Nine hours. You are raring to go, ready to attack the day. I know my guy... Dawson Iserlow, he's ready for that. My man works out. He eats healthy. He gets the proper amount of sleep. He's got probably one of those fancy sleep uh, termic beds that I see advertisements for. You know, probably has his inner chi working. Good to go, right? You're young and healthy. Mm, I mean, no, but <laughs> I didn't get that much sleep either. But I know you didn't, but... <laughs> I went to Lake Chuck last night. Yeah. Yeah, yep. for a night baseball game. Close game. Game kind of flew until the end, and then that's kind of how they do it to you, right? Yes. Seven innings, you're like, wow, it's only been. Dude, I had the story written already in our system that we used to post to the web. It was already in there, raring to go. I'm just waiting. <laughs> Got the first seven innings in there. Let's go. Let's go. And then the eighth inning came, and then the ninth inning came, and I was like, all right, let's hope I don't have to rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> was an exciting game in Lake Chuck. We had two exciting baseball games last night, and we'll talk about both of them. Of course, LSU winning, not necessarily in walk-off fashion, but pretty close to it as they broke out a scoreless game there in the ninth inning for a win. We'll get to that. We'll unveil our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesday. We'll do that. We'll talk about the reports that Derek Carr is meeting or was meeting yesterday in Indianapolis, home of the NFL scouting combine with the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jets. Everyone so focuses on the Jets. Everyone so focuses on the Saints. I'm telling you, Carolina is the sneaky team there. That's the one where, if I'm a Saint fan, that's the one I got to worry about. I don't. It, that's the one that you got to worry about. But we're going to start off today's show talking about McNeese and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Nice crowd. 
for a Tuesday night affair. I expected that. Uh, McNeese always draws a good crowd for baseball. So does UL. UL travels. Well, Lake Charles heard that RP3 was going to be in the house. I mean, they're going to show up for that. (laughs) RP3 and Footsie. It it was the caravan of yours truly, Kevin Foote, and Hannah Five Names. And they just got the press box done. Because last season they didn't have it because it was destroyed in the hurricanes. So they've done some nice uh, improvements to Joe Miller ballpark. And uh, it was a great atmosphere. Tons of people there for a Tuesday night affair. Lots of Cajun fans made the short drive over. You know, for younger folks, they may not understand the importance of the I-10 rivalry between the two schools. And we get so focused on just football that we forget that this is an important, still an important rivalry for basketball and in particular baseball and softball. So great crowd. And this was, man, this was a good game. It went by really quick. Both pitchers were doing extremely well. McNeese, it's not as if they just teed off on Moody. It's not like they played it five runs in, in an inning. It was a solo home run then a solo home run, and then a sack fly. You know, they scored one run in the second, third, fourth, and fifth. And he was able to get out of some jams, but McNeese was doing enough to kind of nickel and dime their way to a win. And their pitcher, Morrow, was frustrating Cajun hitters. You know, and we were talking in the press box, and the McNeese staff were talking to the guys that are working the scoreboard and – SIDs and everything. They're like, well, these Cajun hitters, man, they're batting over 400. This guy right here is like batting 415. Like they were like, oh. And then when their guy who is in the mix to make his claim to be a Sunday starter, Justin Hill is still trying to figure that out. We even asked him about it afterwards about Morrow. And he did a nice job. Now he also walked four batters, hit a batter. Cajuns had opportunities, but he only held them to two hits. Right? Carson had the double. Rockefort did, and that was the only extra base hit they had off the starting pitcher. But once McNeese made that switch, Dawson, and they went to the bullpen, all of a sudden, the Cajun bats woke up. Two in the eighth, and then two in the ninth. C.J. Willis had a good game as the nine-hole hitter for the Cajuns. But it wasn't enough as McNeese holds on for a 5-4 to four win. Big deal for, I think it was a bigger deal the game a little bit for McNeese because I think they needed it a little bit more. They're a good program, right? They go to NCAA Regionals. They played for their conference tournament championship last year, lost to Southeastern. Okay, in the three game, now the be- the best two out of three series for the championship in the Southland. That's how it's now decided. That began last year. They got a ton of talent. Peyton Harden is a stud, right? Burkell is a stud. So they got some dudes. Still got to figure out the pitching a little bit. But, you know, McNeese took two or three over the weekend. This is a midweek game. They got another midweek game. They play at Southern tonight. So back-to-back midweek games for McNeese. And 
The Cajuns, well, they, they just came off a four-game sweep. And they have to welcome in the Campbell Camels, an NCAA regional team from a year ago, this coming weekend. So I think it meant a little bit more for McNeese this in this part of the season where they're at. But I love the fight that the Cajuns showed. They still tried to rally. They still nearly pulled it off. I mean, if the one shot that goes all the way back that ended up being a sacrifice fly for the Cajuns, that we thought that was a home run. If that goes over the, the goes over the field, goes over the wall rather in right field. Kevin and I were talking about this, joking about this while we were walking out of Joe Miller Ballpark with Hannah, and the sprinklers were on. <laughs> That's how late we were there. We go, if that ball would have sailed over the right field wall, we would still be there because it'd be an extra inning game. So it came close. Great atmosphere. Cajuns still trying to figure things out with the pitching. Morrow's probably best served as a midweek guy. His stuff's pretty good. You mean Moody? Moody, sorry. Once again, sleep deprived. Thank you. Moody has some pretty good stuff, but he feels like a midweek guy to me, which is okay, right? You can have your weekend rotation and then have your midweek guy. There's nothing wrong with that. And when you get to conference tournament time or you get to an NCAA regional and then you have another quality arm that's just you can use. Uh, I know some teams struggle with trying to figure out who they're going to throw in the midweek. I always have always preferred having a team have just their midweek guy. And he can also be a guy that can come in and eat up innings and middle relief if something goes wrong in a weekend series, right? Hey, our starter just got, you know, absolutely blitzed. They're tagging him. It's like batting practice out there. Hey, man, can you come out and stop the bleeding so we don't have to eat up the bullpen? Okay. Uh, but give me your thoughts on from the game. Well, I didn't see any of it because it wasn't televised for some reason. But I mean, obviously, you were following the the, the tweets of Raymond Parts the Third and Kevin. Yeah, Foote. absolutely. And wonderful Stat Tracker had little icons running. Oh, um, shout out to Stat Tracker. But yeah, no, I, it's you know you don't want to take too much from a midweek game in you know late February, of course, but. Um, I think the last two innings are kind of promising for UL from their perspective. I think McNeese they've they've got to they've got to get things figured out as you mentioned, and they've the got pitching. some time to do so. Now the, the Southland Conference looks like it's going to be pretty competitive. Southeastern has won a bunch of games early on mm. and scored a bunch of runs. So that's a good program to you know. And those two, you know, and those two always kind of battle in that conference. And oh, yeah. there's a couple other teams that are, you know, fairly competitive from year to year, just kind of depending. Of course, the the conference has kind of shuffled around the last few years with some teams coming in and out. But um, there, I think they're going to be okay, especially you know that conference not quite what the Sun Belt is for UL, right? So then on on UL side of things, I think look, Moody, it, I agree with you on the midweek stuff. It's funny too. Some coaches like to use it to get you know younger guys innings, and I understand that fully, but also. I do feel like there's a there's a confidence that comes from having a guy, and every time you go out feeling like you have a guy on the mound who's going to give you a good chance to win, and I think that helps to have a you know, and again I think your midweek guy I think that's you you kind of have the perfect um, you know I, idea of it. 
It's a guy who's going to throw. You're not going to throw your midweek guy seven, eight innings consistently. You want him to get maybe 65, 75, maybe 80-something pitches because, again, that is a guy who's going to be available on the weekend. It's not like he's going to just be the midweek starter. You're going to throw him 110, 120 pitches as long as he can go and then wait till next midweek game. Um, so I think it's great to have a quote-unquote fourth option, and that's also kind of the the if something goes wrong on the weekend or if we lose a guy to an injury, right? You have that guy that goes right in and is used to starting games. You don't have to create a new role for someone. So um, if that's what Moody's going to be, then that's fine. We'll see who gets to start on Sunday this weekend. I think that's going to be interesting and how they do, more importantly, because um, we saw Jackson Neza pitch last night out of the bullpen so that, you know, we, we kind of figured he wasn't going to start on Sunday because of how poor the last couple starts for him went, but I think that confirmed it. He got an inning, though, and you know that Deggs wanted that, right, right. to go in there because the, the, the kid's ERA now is 17 after the one inning of score, you know. So, yeah, no. And- so he needed that, right? And it's early in the season. You got to get the guy the confidence. Hey, you're, you're our guy. It's okay. Go out there. You're good, right? Right. This is this is what also what midweek games are for. And Dex, he already said after the you know in his press conference how confident he still is in Neza, and and I think Neza has a role here. But you know, right now, look, Hammond looks really good for Friday nights. I agree, and, and that's something that you're probably gonna you know stick with until further notice. Um, and from there, you know, we'll see kind of what it was weird too because last week you had the Wednesday through Saturday series, so some guys got shuffled around on some different days and things like that. But you kept Hammond on Friday, so. Um, I'll be really uh, interested to see what the rotation looks like against, again, probably one of the best offensive teams you're going to face all year. I mean, Campbell can really swing it. and Yeah, they can hit. That's going to be a great – this will be a really good measuring stick weekend, and I think it comes at a good time for you. You played well early on in the year. You've had a couple of good weekends. You know, you stumble in a midweek game. But now let's kind of test ourselves against uh, one of the better non-conference opponents we have and, and kind of see where we're at, you know, right around – we're getting around the mid – it's, you know, funny to think we're already really kind of almost to the midway point of the non-conference portion of the schedule, so – um, this will be a good test for them coming up this weekend. If for the Cajuns, you know, pitching-wise, Moody, look, six innings, four runs on three hits, walked two, struck out two. Not a great performance, but not a bad performance either. You know, he had some nice moments. He had some pitches that he'd like to give back. You know, you know, anytime you give up a solo home run to center field, that's a pitch that you typically, <laughs> you typically regret throwing, right? And, you know, DeBarge got a hit last night. Carson got a couple of hits. He was two for three last night. Also drew a walk. So you like to see him, you know, because remember, we've talked about this. A couple of their best hitters haven't got going. Still waiting for Max. Right? 0 for 2 last night at the dish. They actually pinch hit for him in this ball game later. So that's one of those bats that you want to say, hey, I really need to start seeing him kind of come through. Yeah, and, and one thing I do want to throw in on that is for you know fans who kind of maybe follow Major League Baseball closer than they do college or, or you just kind of struggle conceptualizing the differences, think about this. Like Max Marshak, it feels like he's really struggling, right? But the Cajuns have played, what, nine games or eight games? Um, that's basically a week and a half. It's not even a week and a half in the Major League season. Yeah, right? yeah. Think it's, about that. Yeah, it's, so, only, it's only eight games. Yeah, and so while eight games, it feels more than that because it's three weeks and, you know, it's it's the way the college schedule's spread out. You, you you give a guy basically two, three months, that's still only like what is essentially two or three weeks in the major. And think about a guy who has a two or three week slump in the majors. It's not really going to – you're not going to think about that long term. So no. he's still got plenty of time. We saw Hayden Cantrell 
one of the best Cajun shortstops in recent memory, start a season like, I don't know, two for 30 his sophomore year. Like So that, that stuff yeah. happens. It happens. So still have time. McNeese, good win for them. Cajuns try to fight back. McNeese will go on the road, take on Southern tonight in another midweek contest. Cajuns come back home for a three-game set against Campbell this weekend against the Camels, who were an NCAA regional team a year ago. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After winning two of three at the Round Rock Classic, the LSU Tigers decided, hey, let's stick around in Texas and go take on one of the other historically great baseball programs that our country has produced, the Texas Longhorns. Now, Texas isn't what it used to be, but still a great midweek contest, especially for college baseball fans. This was a good one as well, LSU-UT. And it was a scoreless affair until Gavin Dugas said, no more. Dugas launched a three-run jack in the top of the ninth inning Tuesday night to lift LSU to a 3-0 win over Texas at Dish Falk Field there in Austin. LSU improved to 7-1 on the year while Texas dropped to 3-5. Of course, the Tigers returned to action on Friday when they play host to Butler. Ooh. Butler in Central Connecticut State this weekend on tap for the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah. Not thrilled about that. Not thrilled about that. But it is early. Got to get some of those games in, get those young guys some work. Tuesday's night's game, scoreless entering into the top of the ninth. LSU catcher Brady Neal and shortstop Jordan Thompson drew back-to-back walks from Texas reliever Chris Stewart. Stewart then struck out third baseman for the first out of the inning and reliever Andre Duplanter, the second. It's important they go by second, not junior. I'm not really for sure why that is. Was inserted into the game to face Dugas. And then Dugas just took a pitch and just smashed it. Just over the left center field wall, giving LSU that 3 nothing advantage with his third homer of the season. It's always great when your second baseman can hit jacks. I thought I already explained the whole second thing to you. You, you did. I, look, I'm the third. Right. My old man was junior. Well, again, my I grandfather. Think, I think this conversation was on the air, too, was it not? <laughs> yes, if, it was. So, so, you're, so you're just assuming that this guy, this kid, obviously 
you're, you're saying it's when you're honoring your grandfather, it skips a generation. So instead of being junior, he's now the second. Yeah. Now, I don't think that's the only way it, you can be the second. I think people kind of can create their own reasons for it, but that is like the most traditional way of being referred to as the second that I know of. I see. I see. Maybe maybe he knew he wanted to play second base. Did he play second base? <laughs> He's a reliever. Oh. Maybe he knew he was going to be the second guy coming out of the bullpen. I don't know. It's just so weird. I see it more and more. I know. I, I you've explained, but it's just you know. I'm just. We could ask. Terrence I was Lewis named. Next time I was uh, named after my father and grandfather. I am the third. There was two other Raymond Anton Parches in the world. Look, if Terrence Lewis has a big game in Pensacola and he's available for media purposes after the game, go ahead asking. and that'll be your first question. But why the second? Look, why I know you junior? had twenty-five and ten. Y'all are going to championship game, but I got a bigger. I got a bigger picture thing to ask you here. My man, why is it the second? Why aren't you junior? What's up with the hatred for junior? Why are we anti-junior in this country? I have questions. You're probably right. It probably skipped a generation. And that's how you do it. That's the proper way of doing it. Dawson is right. Once again, two degrees. Man's got so much knowledge. It's It's just pouring out of him. That's what you're supposed to do, right? If you've skipped a generation, you're like, okay, I want to keep the name going. So you give that's how you come up with the second, because it's not junior. But it's still just, it's just I don't know. I'm old, Dawson. I'm you old. You know what the more confusing thing is? Like when you start talking about being twice removed, your third cousin twice removed, and these things. That stuff. I tried to learn about that one day, and I, I got lost in the end. I'm there's just like, some, you're just a cousin. It has to do with, yeah, no, I mean, there's a whole thing <laughs> with, like, divorce, and, if you, you know, and the, it's a whole, you know, and, I mean, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> don't, don't know. Don't know. Yeah. I, I, I will. You you just wait. I'm I'm still going to want Terrence now to have a good game in Pensacola so I can ask him that question so that second baseman right he made a he made a play that's what you were saying before <laughs> I, I want to bring us back on the rails here <laughs> yes, yes he made yes yes Gavin Dugas three jacks on the season already your second baseman has three home runs the wealth of riches for LSU Nate Ockenhausen the lefty was the winning pitcher he came in in the fifth worked three and one-third scoreless innings limiting the Longhorns to one hit, one walk, and four Ks. Reliever Christian Little pitched a perfect bottom of the ninth to earn his first save of the year. So good midweek victory for the LSU Tigers. They'll gear up for a couple of games against Butler in Central Connecticut State. That will be Friday through Monday. It's not a tournament. It's not a classic or anything like that. It's just... Butler in Central Connecticut State for a few days. Butler will bookend. We got Butler on Friday and Monday in Central Connecticut State on Saturday and Sunday. So what's Butler doing in the meantime? Just hanging out or are they going to play crawfish. some more games? <laughs> eating, eating crawfish? I'm not for sure. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't look at the Butler side of things when it came to, when it came to that. I should have. And I've let everybody down. I've absolutely let everybody down. I have no fear. I have you covered. Butler, who, by the way, was swept by Campbell um, and gave up 44 runs in three games to Campbell. 
including a 25-6 to loss on Saturday. Oh, oh LSU's going to have batting practice in those two games. Oh, Butler's playing Central Connecticut State in the – so they're playing each other. So they're playing – Butler's playing a doubleheader on Friday, playing Central Connecticut State and then LSU. And then on Saturday, they're playing Central Connecticut State. They're taking Sunday off, and then they're playing LSU on Monday. So uh, there you go. little round-robin-style strange event with some random opponents for a early March non-conference weekend for the LSU Tigers. Butler and Central Connecticut State. What can you tell us about Central Connecticut State? What are they all about, Dawson, since you're so good with the research over there? They are the Blue Devils. Uh, oh, pretty, Blue pretty Devils! sick-looking logo, oh, if I do say so I do, love a, I do love a sick logo. Um, <laughs> let's see. They've got Nike uniforms. That's the first thing I saw on the homepage. They are. They have not played a game. Okay. What? They have not played a game. They are... Uh, this is, yeah, no. They, they had one game scheduled for the 26th of February, and it was against UMass, and it was postponed. That doesn't make sense here. I don't know. Maybe the, uh, <laughs> we'll have to get in touch with the SID over there. Maybe they haven't updated the website. But it says here that they had only had one game scheduled, which was for a Sunday, All which right. would be All a right. strange day to start the season anyway, and that it was postponed, and that they're uh, starting the season with Butler and LSU on Friday and Saturday. So, I mean, their pitching staff's going to be well-rested. You know that. So, look out. I, I, <laughs> we got to take it. They went 29-18 and 18 last year. There's that. There, there is that, but it doesn't appear that they've played a game. Not that I know of. All right. I'll confirm that during the break. Well, you know, it does get cold in Connecticut. Yeah, you see that a little bit. So, no, there we go. You, you see that with some schedules. Usually teams will take a road trip and try and play in the first few weeks, but maybe they said, we don't need to play. We're, we're, good, we're good on uh, playing inter-squads. Well, I guess if it's too cold to play, they're probably not playing inter-squads either. There you go. There you go. I don't know. We're having fun. We're having fun today here on RP3 and Company. Well, we have fun every day. Central Connecticut State. You want to go to that? You want to go check them out now, don't you? You're going to ask me for a media credential for this weekend. Yeah, that one's it's it's been on my bucket list for a while to see the Blue Devils in action. But <laughs> we got to take a time out. More RP3 and Company though coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company here on The Game as we're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. We begin today's show talking about Raging Cajuns, McNeese Cowboys, battling it out at Joe Miller Ballpark. Cowboys win that one 5-4. They built up the five-run lead. We're able to hold off the Cajuns who tried to rally late by scoring two runs in the eighth, two in the ninth. Good midweek win for McNeese. 
Cajuns. They're going to look to put this one behind them. They're gearing up to welcome in the Campbell Camels NCAA regional team from a year ago this weekend at the Teak. LSU, meanwhile, was on the road taking on perennial traditional powerhouse Texas. Tigers were in a scoreless battle until the ninth inning when Gavin Dugas hit his third jack of the year. The Tigers' second baseman hit a three-run blast. And that was your final score in that one as LSU wins three to nothing. But it's time for us to talk about what we love to talk about on Wednesdays. Because Wednesday, as you well know, is the poll question that makes people the happiest. That causes folks to be the most energetic, passionate, the saltiness the shade that is thrown over what happens on Wednesdays. Of course, we're talking about the foodie poll question of the week. It's always our poll question of the day on Wednesday. This was a recommendation courtesy of our main guy. I've gotten to the point now where I believe I need to refer to him as our foodie poll question of the week consultant, Ralph Bergeron. Shout out to Ralph. We asked you, what's your go-to seafood during Lent? What's the go-to? Do you go with the crawfish? Do you go with the shrimp? Do you go with fish? Fried or grilled, it does not matter. Or do you go with other? Are you a big, you know, clams person or oysters or octopus? Let me ask you something before we get to these some of these comments and the early vote totals. You seem to be a man of a certain level of sophistication, D'Lo. You have the two degrees. You're healthy. You're well-spoken. You carry around a thesaurus in your pocket. You know, you are a man of leisure, a well-rounded individual. You've created so many narratives that surround me that are like either completely false or severely embellished that I'm just I'm not going to correct them anymore but I just want the people to know that moving forward. Continue. <laughs> this is this is part of being a producer here. That said, I have a friend. I'm not going to name him who he is, John. <laughs> who one time so we would meet up all the time and be like, "Hey, let's go to this burger place." And we'd always meet at this burger place. Well, we sit down one day and we all order our burgers, different types of, you know, great, delicious, tasty burgers. And my man goes, I'll have the calamari. And I looked at him and I go, what'd you just do? We're at a burger place. Like, they're a burger place. Like, it's in the name of the restaurant. We're eating burgers and you're ordering the calamari not only from a burger place, but a burger place that is landlocked. <laughs> that is nowhere near the coastline where you could get your hands on fresh seafood. Is that a faux pas in your opinion? Um, I've only had calamari like once or twice. The most recent time that I had it, I didn't hate it, which I didn't think I, you know, I mean, it's fried, right? So like, correct. You can't really. You can hide so many things from well, that. And so, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not fresh seafood, but to, you know, freezers exist, so it's fine. Like, 
But do you order the seafood at the burger place, though? Well, no, but if the guy's consistently going to the burger place, as you say, you know, maybe he's had all their burgers and he knows what the burgers are and he just wanted something else. I mean, if it was the only mm-hmm. time he was going to go to the burger place, well, then, yeah, that's probably a bad call. You probably got to get the burger. But I see. I see. I see. Well, we haven't let him forget it, by the way. That happened like 10 years ago. And it always gets brought up in conversations on a group text amongst us friends. Like, hey, when's the last time you had some great fresh calamari from a burger place? Like, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, if, if your thing is you're known for burgers or you're known for steaks or if you're known for seafood, then I'm going to go with the thing that you're known for. I'm going to go with the thing that you've built your brand on because nine times out of ten, that's what you're the best at. Yeah, again, in a one-time scenario, I'm agreeing with you. you got to go with what the special. But if this is a place that you frequent, then eventually I'm going to veer off the main path of the it, menu. You're saying, you're saying, time out. What you're saying is, is that we shouldn't be giving my friend that we won't name, John, so much grief because he's already explored the menu options. He's already tasted all the delicious burgers. He just wanted to see what the rest of the menu had to offer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but that's fair. But I'm also stubborn and old. And I, I prefer burgers over octopus. So what's your go-to? I believe it's squid, right? Is it squid? It's something... I guess, can it be both? It's something that sailors 300 years ago believed would kill them if they got on the open water. it's one step away from an alien. I mean, what in the world? Let's have that conversation. What in the world are octopus? (laughs) That's a horrifying animal. (laughs) What's your go-to seafood during Lent is our foodie poll question of the week. Right now, 45% of you say shrimp, 35% say crawfish, 15% 15% say fish, and 5% say other. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says crawfish is the low-hanging fruit answer, but shrimp is the gold standard. And, of course, he shared a gift from Forrest Gump. Ralph, who is our foodie poll question of the week consultant, all of the above, seafood platter with for the win, little fish face getting those taste buds ready for the grand marlin. Oh, it did, is it, oh look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that platter. That is phenomenal. Ralph also found the, the the website for the Grand Marlin that Bob Marlin recommended for us to go eat at. Kevin and I looked at it. It may be a little too what we call highbrow and expensive for, <laughs> for the two of us to go to. I looked at it and I said, wow, that looks really nice. I'll go. That's the type of place. I told Kevin says that's the type of place you and I would walk up to the door and they'd be like, "No, we're we're we're, we're all full." We're uh, sorry. Are you lost, sir? This is not a Wendy's. <laughs> just keep walking. Oh, I'm just saying. I reached out to some folks also in Pensacola, and they're like, "You you sure you can go there?" John Paul Cajun Daddy says a little too early for crawfish, but fish is always a good bet. You know, nothing beats some good, well-done fried fish. So many people screw it up, though, because they don't know how to fry fish. But, man, some good fried fish. Oh, man, I could just eat that all day long. And all-you-can-eat catfish at Acadiana Bar and Grill is awesome, and I can eat a lot of grilled catfish. 
Ton says, honestly, since I'm not Catholic, I don't adhere to the Lynn diet. Alligator is my go-to. You don't have to follow Lent and recognize Lent. I know a lot of people that don't necessarily recognize Lent that take part in eating more seafood during Lent because it's the popular thing to do in Acadiana. I'm just saying. Don also says, Central Connecticut State sounds like Archbishop whatever, the fake high school. Like, huh? <laughs> hey, let's not disrespect the Blue Devil program because <laughs> – Here um, comes here comes Todd. First of all, they are picked in the top three. I, I don't have um, premium access to the content that the website was trying to make me subscribe to to get the Northeast Conference preview. <laughs> oh, but I did oh, see nice. they did have a little snippet that was, you know, free, and I did see that um, – they are picked in the top three of the league, and to further that one, they're also like, I don't know, seven, eight-time Northeast Conference champs? Oh! I mean, look, this program has some history to it now. Seven-time Northeast Conference champs. Uh, it would Before be 02, right 03, now. 04, 10, 17, 19, and 21. So wait, that's – yeah, no, seven. I was right. I can count. But before um, right now, did you even realize there was a Northeast Conference? Yes, I did. Look, I told you this before. I'm a huge basketball conference tournament guy. You are. Me and my buddy Connor, we pick ever since we were we were we lived in the dorm together at UL freshman year. We pick every conference tournament every year, just literally for fun. We don't even really put anything on it. Oh, we can. Can we talk about that? Like, you you pick every conference tournament. Yeah, beforehand? already picked a few this year. The ones that have started, you know, we have to we have deadlines here. Um, but anyway, I was aware of the Northeast Conference. I will say their baseball history is not the richest in the world. Last year, they had a total of one team that won over thirty games, but Ooh. Central Connecticut State won twenty nine, so they were knocking on the door. And oh, maybe if right they there. would play in the first three weeks of the season, they'd have a chance to win the thirtieth game. But they take those few weeks off and they start this weekend. There we go. There we go. That's next level stuff about. You weren't expecting to get next-level information about Central Connecticut State. Shout-out to the Blue Devils. But you know what? Dawson Iserlo said, I got this. This is what he's bringing to the table. This man's trying to get the title of producer extraordinaire. It's working hard. It's working hard. Woo! Getting closer and closer. Getting closer and closer. Ton says, by the way, not too late for an RP4, my man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just go ahead. We go. Uh, the wife and I, we'll just go ahead and say that right now. Um, yeah, that that we have one child. We're good. Thanks. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to seafood during Lent? Go vote. Leave your comments. We got to take a time out. More RP3 and company coming up, though, right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
The first hour here of RP3 and Company. We gave you reaction from what occurred in Lake Chuck between the Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball team and the Minis baseball team. A game that Justin Hill's squad won 5-4 to four over Matt Deggs' team. Great little midweek game. Lots of fans showed out there for also McNeese and the Cajuns. We talked about LSU with Gavin Dugas in a three-run blast in the top of the ninth inning as LSU took down Texas on the road in Austin. We talked about our foodie poll question of the day. What's your go-to seafood? Producer's note on that, if I can jump in here. By all means. Octopus is commonly mistaken as calamari, but it is, in fact, squid. I was oh. correct on that one. So, and... According to ShogunOrlando.com, <laughs> they have a blog. The taste is surprisingly different, at least when served raw. So I guess when you fry stuff, I mean, you know, it tastes like fried stuff. But <laughs> it is made from a type of squid and not octopus. Just wanted to, con- you know, I know a lot of listeners probably heading out for a seafood dinner. Maybe they were going to order the calamari because they thought it was octopus, but they don't want to eat octopus or squid, one or the other. There it is. Now they're covered. My man. My man. Sir, giving people what they need. Not only did Dawson do a deep dive on the different, what I I assumed that calamari was octopus, he said, no, in fact, it's a squid. He has found the research and the data to support this. He also gave you a deep dive on Central Connecticut State, the Blue Devils, out of the Northeast Conference. Gave you some background, some history, what they do, what they're all about. That's what you get for the first hour of RP3 and Company on a Wednesday. That's what we do. Calamari talk, Central Connecticut State history. We have fun. (laughs) Okay, you do know that the idea that you mentioned about looking at conference tournaments, since this is your jam, we're going to somehow fold this into the show this week, right? You understand this? Yeah, no, all good. I mean, there we go. I've been doing the research. My man. Our number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Our number one, D-Lo and yours truly, RP3, we broke down UL McNeese baseball. Cowboys defeat the Cajuns, their old Interstate 10 rivals, 5-4 to four in the midweek contest. McNeese now goes and plays at Southern tonight. LSU went on the road, took down Texas, courtesy of a three-run jack by Gavin Dugas in the top of the ninth inning as the Tigers keep rolling right along. They're gearing up for two games against Butler, two others against Central Connecticut State this coming weekend 
Friday through Monday at Alex Box Stadium. We also have our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. What's your go-to seafood during Lent? Is it crawfish? Is it shrimp? Is it fish, fried or grilled? It doesn't matter. Or is it other? Maybe you're a big calamari guy, which we come to find out due to the efforts of the soon-to-be producer extraordinaire, Dawson Eisler. It's just a matter of time, really. It really, it probably should already be done, but I'm making him work for it a little bit more than typical because he's raising the bar around here. Calamari is actually squid. And we also found out that I should not uh, be giving my old friend, John, so much grief about ordering calamari from a landlocked burger place. He just was exploring the other options on the menu. Thank you, Dawson, for that. And John will thank you as well. And we also did a deep dive on Central Connecticut State, the Blue Devils, powerhouse program out of the Northeast Conference who will be playing their first game of the season (laughs) this weekend. (laughs) Woo! Covered a lot in hour number one, bud. We can go and just hang it up. We're done. I think so. We're good? Yeah. We don't have to do three hours today, right? We just do the one? Yeah, no. (laughs) No. No, no, no. That's not how it works. Let's head out to the game hotline, which is 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Jamie has been patiently waiting as always. Jamie, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, good morning, Mr. Third. So when you were reading that comment earlier about uh, not too late for an RP4 and like, no, 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 no. I felt that in my soul. <laughs> like, I, I, I've taught HP1. That is a little ball of energy, man. I don't know how you would deal with the second one because oh my. my second one's in the back seat right now. And, uh, yeah, they run me ragged. But I, I have friends. So many of my friends either have two or three kids. And I just, I, I just I look at them and I go, no. I, I don't know how you do it. I struggle to find enough time to spend enough quality time with my daughter now. What would happen if I added another kid to the mix? I just don't know where I would have the time, right? Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> it's just yeah. too much, man. It, it's, it's, it's very, very tiring. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I wanted to go in on the poll question of the day, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually not – Catholic either. I'm I'm Southern Baptist, licensed minister. So when HP one decides to get married, give me a call and I'll marry her for free. Um, My man. But <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know I, my go-to is uh, lobster with a nice medium rare steak. Oh, good lobster All the tail. Just stare at me and I just smile at him. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I love me some good lobster. Uh, maybe some uh, good fried good fried shrimp. Just uh, I try to stay away from crawfish, just because everybody does crawfish, and they're still kind of a little too small at this time of year, you know. That's true. So uh, that's fair. But uh, that's that's my go-to. And can I share just a, a little funny story about when I was in high school about Lent? By all means. So when I was when I was in high school, I went out to eat on a Friday during Lent, and I ordered a steak, and the waitress goes, "You can't do that." It's Friday. You can't eat meat on Friday. And I looked at her and said, ma'am, I'm Baptist. Please bring me my steak. Medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk at you later. See you, Jamie.
My man, my man said, I'm Baptist, man. Please bring me my steak. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. I, you know, look, I, I do love a good steak. A little surf and turf, man. He talked about the lobster tail. Ooh, yeah. There talked about shrimp, too. You know, and Forrest Gump, I think he was really onto something there with the versatility. But you want to talk about a plug and play starch? How about potatoes? Oh. Really can't. I mean, the, the versatility involved with that root is really unbelievable to me. And I think it, it doesn't really get the credit it deserves. Everybody loves French fries, but I just, I, you think about the ways you can, you know, manipulate a potato all day long. I mean, you can you can, you can really cook it in anything that you cook things in. You can cut it into any shape. You can bread it. You can leave it as is. You can Correct. put it in another dish. You can put it on the side. I just think potatoes, man. And then you know, in during the Lenten season, that's what first first Friday of Lent, I actually went and got a, a loaded spud, a loaded veggie spud. That's that's what I went with first thing. It didn't even go seafood. Just went potato because that's how versatile potatoes are. Boom, man. It's talking about potatoes. I'm here for it. So. You grew up, so I have a question for you. So you grew up on the West Bank, right? You're a West Banker. What was your go-to seafood? Because I'm always curious about this because I'm originally from Mobile. My go-to seafood has always been, when I was a kid, it was always shrimp. Like we, I never had crawfish until I moved to Louisiana, never. But we grew up right on the coast, lived right off of Dolphin Island Parkway, so we had one of our neighbors, his nickname was Snoopy, and he was a shrimp boat captain. So we'd always get fresh shrimp from him. Like, he'd just bring it home. So I grew up with shrimp. So that's the go-to, or fried fish. Then I lived in the West Bank as well as a kid. But then I lived in Baton Rouge, and it wasn't until really I moved to outside Baton Rouge, which technically Prairieville that I started being exposed to crawfish everywhere. I don't remember it that much on the West Bank of New Orleans. I mean, I was plenty exposed to crawfish, no no doubt. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned to you, though, so, well, I, we didn't get too far into it, but my grandpa was from Biloxi, but he's a lifelong, you know, ocean man. So he, you know, was always in and around different types of seafood. So we all we had everything, and, and crawfish was included in that. But crawfish, shrimp, fish, I mean, like, that was just... What was your family's go-to, though, like seafood in the house? In our house, probably shrimp, just because there was a little, uh, there was a seafood market right off of, which I don't think it, it might still be there, actually, but right off of uh, Bell Chase Highway on the West Bank that my mom would get stuff from, um, and shrimp would be, like, the, the thing she got most often from there. But when we do crawfish, we would do them, you know, when my grandpa would, in, in Lafitte, and he'd boil crawfish. There we stuff. go. He'd also do crabs sometimes, and then shrimp sometimes Yeah, as we well, didn't have but, crabs on the poll question. Crabs yeah, I mean, we'll see and see the, the controversy there with crabs. You talk about, you know, look, it, it's got a power bat, but does it have the glove in the field? You talk about the versus, you know, the nest, <laughs> how difficult it is to get the meat out and the and the ratio of how long it takes when you boil crabs. Because you're talking about, you know, not prepared crab meat that's already pulled for you and stuff. Yeah, yeah, not, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking actual uh, crabs. And I so remember. that's where, you know... Coming up, is it going to hit major league pitching? We don't know, right? Whereas shrimp, it's plug a and play. Of, it's a five tool. It's a five tool seafood. It's a lot of work. Crab is a lot of work, right? And when I'm sitting down, and if I'm hungry, I'm a big boy. I'm 300 pounds. So if I'm sitting down for a meal, I am ready to get my eat on. 
crab is a lot of work. It's a lot of work for a little bit of meat. Now, my wife loves crabs. And we, we've been to Alaska now twice. And yes, we've gotten the Alaskan crab fresh out of the water. Had to, you know, had to get out a, a secondary, you know, loan on the house to pay for it. But I, I joke, but <laughs> it's not, it's not well, cheap. Well, yeah. It's not cheap. No, it's not. But she loves crab, right? That in, so like for her, she grew up with crawfish because she's from Arneville. She's from St. Landry Parish, Cajun family. So crawfish, crawfish, crawfish. I grew up on the coast, so I am more all about shrimp, crab. That's how I roll. So it's just interesting, like, depending on where you grew up, what you're more accustomed to and what you prefer. Like, when I go out during boiling season, I prefer boiled shrimp over boiled crawfish. Oh, I love boiled shrimp. I I, I don't hate boiled crawfish. And some people get very offended by that. Or, well, what what do you mean you're going to – I just prefer boiled shrimp. I just do. um, You have ruby reds? Oh. You talk about a shrimp, man. What What a flavorful experience that is. And you talk so Biloxi, I you know I, I go to Biloxi a good bit. That's still where my grand, that's where my grandpa now lives again. Have but, you gone to the Blowfly Inn by any chance? No, I don't think so. Oh, you got to. I'll show. But, I'll, I'll, yeah. You talk about the seafood buffets, of course, all the casinos and stuff. They've all got the seafood buffets, and so yes. when they have the you know the king crabs and stuff, that's where I would more attack it because that that's the the king crab legs is way more. That's where your ratio gets a lot better because well, you're getting a lot of meat out of that. By the way, my wife's the same way. Yeah, we, no. we've actually made trips to places that have you know casino buffets that have because now of the, the problem crab legs. now that I've run into is the casino buffet. If they have the king crab, they bump the price by like fifteen bucks. You know, if it's oh, just yeah. a regular buffet, oh, yeah. and so that that becomes tough. But you know, oh man, I'm it is seven fourteen and I'm <laughs> I'm already starving. About I'm already thinking about that. You know. I just thought about this. The Cajun baseball team is playing Mississippi State in Biloxi. Now, that's a midweek game, Dawson. We have to be here early, you earlier than I, the next morning. Do we be bold and make the road trip down for the game in Biloxi so we can get some fresh Gulf seafood beforehand and then catch the Cajuns' baseball game versus Mississippi State. Maybe we leave the game a little early to come back home. What do you think? It's, I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. But you, I mean, you are talking logistically a a bit of a drive. <laughs> it's yeah, it's right about three hours right from the studio. Three hours and three minutes is what I've got. Now yeah, that's yeah. probably got some you know morning traffic calculated in seven fifteen. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. the cars are getting out on the road, but um. It's doable. If you lay, if the game, I, now I don't know, is it a six o'clock first pitch? That might make things more doable. If it's a seven o'clock, seven thirty, you're really talking about a difficult situation there. Let's see. Yeah, we do have computers at our disposal. That's, <laughs> Let, believe let's... me, that calamari info didn't just come right from the brain, <laughs> just so y'all know. Uh, hold on, let's pull it up. Because that's not a bad little trip to Biloxi, and I do believe they're playing at the home of the the Shuckers. The Shuckers, no, and that's a great yeah. ballpark. I was, you know, a little fun fact for you here. Again, I mentioned my grandpa's kind of ties of Biloxi. And Five now o'clock. Over there. there. Okay, now we're really, okay, oh, wait, we've got see? an opportunity here. And see, I was at the, uh, but anyway, I was at the opening game of MGM Park with the Shuckers played their first game there. Oh, nice. Was at the opening game. It was, a, I mean, packed house, which, of course, you know, that doesn't always, but that's like the perfect place to have a minor league baseball stadium. I, I mean, agree. 
you you because you and that's why you know we don't have to get into the you know logistics of failed minor league franchises, but New Orleans, for those who maybe aren't familiar with the New Orleans minor league team that's no longer there, that stadium was on Airline Drive in Metairie. Still is. It is right, and now the uh, Nola Gold Rugby team plays there, but the Shrine on Airline, bud. You know, for a tourist who's coming into New Orleans, that's like a 20, 25 minute drive. Nobody's going, no it's, tourist is coming, driving terrible, 25 minutes to get to it, it's a, minor a terrible location. Game. You're right. I've been there for a Zephyr's game and a Baby Cakes game. I didn't hate the Baby Cakes name as much as others did uh, because it's minor league baseball. You're supposed to have ridiculous names. It, it, it's an older place, it's a bit on the dumpy side, but you're right. Like, there's nowhere. It was great when I went because a couple of buddies and I went down. We got a hotel room. We went to Saints training camp, got tickets for Saints training camp, got to hang out for that, and then caught a baby case game that night or the night before, right? And we went to Bobby Bear's place and ate. Uh, so it, it worked, but you're right. A tourist isn't going to go in there, and uh, I, I'm a big minor league baseball guy. Have you been to the Blue Wahoo Stadium? I have not. I haven't seen a game there. But a buddy of mine hooked us up, Kevin and I, a couple years ago when we went to the tournament, hooked us up with a a, a private tour of it. The, I've it been, was nice, and it's right on the water too. Like yeah. you can hit home runs into. Well, and I've been to the Memphis Redbirds state, and that was a really nice minor league park. That's AutoZone Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but anyway, back to what I was saying. The MGM <laughs> Park is a great play because not only do you have the tourist, you know, anybody who's staying at the casinos in Biloxi can either a walk over. Or get a short ride over, but then you also still can have you know the locals of the Biloxi and Ocean Springs surrounding areas. Shout out Ocean Springs. See, I'm throwing in some knowledge there. Like, shout no, out, I know the area. Shout out Gulfport, Pasagula. Yeah, the yes. whole the whole area. Um, but anyway, that, that's a great park. So I mean, look, five o'clock. That's doable. Five o'clock, bud. You know what? Three hour game. Really? You're talking? Yeah, about, and then maybe? a three hour drive. So you're talking? I mean, eleven o'clock. Look, that, I'm not going to act like I haven't gone to sleep at eleven o'clock and been at the studio for four. So if the game wraps up at say eight, we get on the road. We can get back home by like eleven thirty. That's I mean I didn't get home until like ten forty five, almost eleven o'clock last night, going to Lake Charles. There you go. And I mean, look, we we maybe talked to Dags beforehand. Say, look, your pitcher who's got the quickest, <laughs> who's got the who's on the major league pitch clock, who's rolling. <laughs> Let's get through five innings in an hour. Get Dags on the and phone. Then we're really rolling. <laughs> it's doable. It is five o'clock. That 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 changes that changes my perspective on that. Oh man. Hey, you want to keep those phone calls coming? Bring them on. Game hotline is open. We'd love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. NFL Scouting Combine is going on, a.k.a. the Underwear Olympics. Every year this happens, right? Someone's going to run a really fast 40 time in their underwear. And a team's going to fall in love with them and say, this is a guy I'm going to spend a first round draft pick on. Usually it was always Al Davis and the Raiders. 
that would fall in love with someone based on how they ran in a straight line indoors on AstroTurf with no one around them. I get that speed is important. I understand why you want to go after someone because of how quick they are. I get it. But there's fast inside Lucas Oil Stadium speed, ability rather, and then there's actual like game speed. And uh, nothing like a wide receiver who can run a 4.3 40-yard dash but then can't catch the football. Still got to do the fundamental things like catching the football. I know it's a bold take to hope that your wide receivers actually can catch the football instead of just run real fast. But we do this every year. All the GMs come to Indianapolis. They talk to the media. Players are trying. Even players that are already in the league show up there, especially if they're trying to negotiate deals. And obviously, your college prospects are there to show off to NFL scouts and GMs what they can do, how many bench presses they can have, how fast they can run that 40-yard dash in their underwear when no one's around, and all that good jazz. But, as I mentioned, it's also a time where people start, you know, meeting with other teams. And that's exactly what's happening with Derek Carr. Reports came out that the coveted free agent quarterback, possibly the most coveted free agent quarterback on the market, had meetings yesterday with the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jets. And I know we got Doug patiently waiting, but I need to get Dawson's reaction to this. So, Doug, just hold on just just a minute. I've said the whole time the biggest threat to the Saints is not the Jets in getting Derek Carr. I believe it's the Panthers. I just do. And with their new coach, Frank Wright, there's already an existing relationship there. I know there's one with the Saints with Dennis Allen. But Frank Wright and Derek Carr served on the the Christian Coalition together in the NFL. There's an off-the-field relationship there. Frank knows quarterbacks. Derek is a type of guy that I don't think would love being in the spotlight in New York. That's why I don't think the Jets, even though they probably can offer more money, is a viable option. I have I just always thought it's not to say that the Saints won't be able to sign Derek Carr. I just think the Panthers are the team that presents the biggest threat to the Saints, Dawson, in getting Derek Carr. I think the Jets stuff has been weird. They won't commit to him being like their number one guy. They they've they want Aaron Rodgers. Said some, right. and, but not only that, they've said some weird things. If they wanted him, I feel like they would be approaching it differently. So I'm not fully sure. They also wouldn't even commit to admitting whether or not they offered him so that I thought that was strange it might just be a different way of handling PR but I thought it was strange the way they handled it so yeah I would see that but I mean at the end of the day anybody who needs a quarterback is a contender against the Saints and I don't know if Carolina really offers you too much better of a situation it's pretty similar um, all things considered pretty similar situation and so I think at the end of the day it's going to come down to where he's comfortable and where he wants to be and Maybe the money numbers are going to be a little bit different. I think we've said that all along. I don't think the Saints are going to be the highest bidder, um, really, in any situation. Now, you know, Foot thinks that the Saints have this, you know, secret money that they're hiding that they offered Deshaun Watson, which, like, I, 
you know, I understand that that offer may have happened, but who's to say it was anywhere near what the Browns actually offered Deshaun? So I, I don't know, you know, what to say on that part. But I think if, if the Saints are going to get him, it's going to be because he thinks they're a better situation, not because they are the overall best offer. I also think for Derek, it's who he feels like he could have the best working relationship with. And he hasn't had a great working relationship with his coaches in the past. We know this. I think that's going to be important. I think that's more important for Derek Carr than the money. I, I really do. And maybe even winning, because if you're if it comes down to the Saints and the Panthers, they're two very similar in two very similar spots, right? There's not that much of a difference between the two. If money's not going to be the contributing factor, I think it's all about the relationship. And I think Derek is looking for someone that can help him get his career back on track and someone that's going to respect him. I think that's going to be key in this process. So we'll see how that turns out. Let's quickly head out to the game hotline. Doug has been patiently waiting. Doug, my brother, how are you, bud? It's been too long. My boy, my boy. I, I I agree with you 100% about Derek Carr. It's where he's going to be most successful, Carolina or New Orleans. I think he could maybe do a little bit better in New Orleans uh, than he can in Carolina. But, I mean, come see, come saw, you know, potatoes, potatoes, whatever, you know. I mean, uh, but y'all – was a conversation a little earlier about calamari, right? I mean, I can't. You worked in the restaurant business. Y'all never sold calamari. I mean, look, I, I did fast food. I worked in a roadhouse. Uh, mm. <laughs> we we, mm. we didn't have calamari at the roadhouse. We had steak. Uh, <laughs> you know, but no, I, I got you. I, you know, I, I, I did you. work at. You know, we may have had it when I worked at the casino in Marksville all those years ago when I worked in the kitchen as a prep chef. So we probably had it then, but you know they did. You, you never prepped it. No, I never prepped it though. No. Yeah, I I worked in a steak seafood restaurant back in the '80s, and uh, that was my thing on Friday mornings. I would come in and uh, start prepping uh, the squid for uh, the weekend, the calamari. And dude, I, I mean, I would thaw out a buy a ten pound box of squid, and I would stand there for uh, over an hour, man. Just, prepping all that squid, and I hate it. I hate it. I love calamari, don't get me wrong. But, man, I sure hate prepping it, bro. <laughs> As someone job, who man. worked in the food service industry, there's so many things that I like to eat, but I'm like, oh, man. I know I know how much work goes into that, so I'm not going to do that to somebody <laughs> in the kitchen because oh, I man. know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a job. There it is, anyway, bro. Ray, Have a great day, bud. Call, buddy. All right, buddy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I I did a lot of things working in the food service industry, and just like oh man, <laughs> you know another weird thing is, I also worked in retail, and one of my jobs at Toys R Us back in the day, when I worked at it in Mobile, was I had to go collect all the buggies, and this was before you had the electronic buggy collector thing, right? You know the little thing you had to manually go get all the buggies. I can't tell you how mad it made me where people would just leave their random buggy not by even the buggy cart it just be out in far reaches of the parking lot so now all these years later Dawson we're talking like 25 years later all these years later I still always put my buggy up in the buggy cart and then I'll see other random buggies in parking spots and I will grab them and put them in this in the buggy cart as well yeah that's like there's been some studies about that like that's one of the most um I, I don't know. I don't want to misquote whatever the research said, but it's one of the most like 
basic tests of like humanistic behavior because it's one of those like there's no you don't have there's no penalty or reward for doing it it's just simply like something that correct is a good thing to do so it's funny like they've done studies about that about you know what and if you are the person who does it they say you know you're more likely to be this type i i, I don't know i guess better person or or just, just not being guy. lazy yeah no and it's about well you know that's you know, literally they have a buggy roundup cart area for you to put your buggy in and it's literally 10 feet away and i see it all the time and people are just like oh whatever yep. <laughs> it's like come on dude just be better come on it doesn't take a whole lot to be just better we gotta take a timeout when we return our first guest of the day ron higgins the mad dog you know he'll be fired up maybe he'll be wearing one of his savannah banana hat bananas hats could be he does like that team by the way talking about minor league baseball we'll talk all things lsu with the mad dog next right here on the game this is rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Good morning, mad dog. How are you, bud? I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating the fact, as you can see with my hat and shades, and I'm I'm 14 days away from a, a cruise. My man, my man. You know, but I'm being all honest. The more you and I talk about your 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 cruise lifestyle. By the way, Dawson, you're not this familiar with the Mad Dog, but my man lives his best life. One of the best writers, reporters, columnists the state's ever produced. He's a legacy guy. His dad was one of the greatest SIDs of all time. Okay, at LSU, and an illustrious career. So my man now is simply a columnist. He gets to pick and choose what he goes covers now, and he spends the majority of his rest of his time on cruise ships or on film and television sets as an extra. It's a pretty good life. It's a pretty good life. And it, it got even better yesterday because my my high achieving wife, who uh, works for uh, Nestle Corporation, not the chocolate side, but the medical. Uh, the medical side of Nestle, medical infusion medicine and stuff like that. Uh, she won a national award, which means that uh, this year you get a week-long pay trip to Cabo. My man married up. <laughs> well, I, I recruited way out of my league, man. Way out of my league. So. <laughs> As, this is how confident we were. We had a trip booked to Cabo on, on a cruise in July. And I told her about a, about a, about two months ago. I said, I said, I cancel that cruise. I said, you know what? Well, you're you're going to win the trip. No, I'm not. Here you are. You got it. There it is. There it is, my man. And, you know, just just like I was so confident when Gavin Dugas stepped to the plate last night in the ninth. I thought this is the right guy to have for the plate at this very time. <laughs> there when it the is. New are coming in. And I said, this guy is going to—he's he, going to blast one, or be close to blasting one. And and he, and he did. And uh, that's one of the best, one of the better games I've ever seen. I've seen LSU play in recent years, where they, they even though they didn't hit, they held it together. Their pitching was magnificent, held it together, and and uh, beat up 
uh, beat Texas on their home field. Uh, it, it was a, it was a, a, a good end to a a good road trip through Texas for uh, for LSU. I mean, uh, and they, they lost one, didn't have a good day, but bounced back and uh, beat a Sam Houston State team that beat both Iowa and Kansas State in that tournament. Then they last night they got great pitching at Texas. Uh, well, they look like look they they look like the number one team. In in the country for sure, and then they gear up to to play Butler in Central Connecticut State. Ron, I know you are a man of masterful research, but we'll go ahead and help you out here. Um, did you know first of all that Central Connecticut State they're the Blue Devils? We looked this up earlier on the air, and also that uh, their game this weekend will be their actual season opener, and they are a perennial powerhouse, winning twenty eight to twenty nine games in the Northeast Conference. So that's a little tidbit of information there for you that you can use at Alex Box Stadium this coming weekend. I can believe this for their opener because a lot of these schools, I mean, I mean, we take it for granted down here that everybody should, you know, come out of the gate in, in you know, mid-February and, you know, and be ready to play baseball. But a lot of schools like being, you know, we are talking to Paul Skeens a couple of weeks ago. I asked him about, I said, how different is it for you to actually – you get to you know start in mid February and play baseball. He goes, it, it was you know he, he was an Air Force. He goes, he goes, we'd have to travel like thirty five miles just to go practice to get decent weather uh, at the start of the season. So we take it for granted down here about baseball starting on time because of having a pretty mild winter weather. And uh, yeah, I can believe that. I mean, I can believe certain Yeah, I can believe that. There you go, bud. There you go. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Obviously, baseball program is rolling. Let's switch it over to the hardwood. The women's program, they went on senior night, standing room only crowd against Mississippi State. They are now gearing up for the SEC tournament. They're going to be the two seed. What do you expect to see from Kim Mulkey's team when they start playing later this week? That's a good question because Kim hates the SEC tournament. She hates postseason tournament. She hates the conference tournament. She thinks they're useless. Um, Dale Brown kind of got that way too. And once LSU had some success, he kind of hated the SEC tournament. Like, what what are we here for? Let's get to the main event. Uh, LSU was one and out last year in the the tournament as a number two seed. Uh, I expect that they they, they got to buy to the quarterfinals. I, I think that I think they can get to the finals, and then and I mean it, it depends how much they care and what the matchup is, and um, if they get to the finals against South Carolina, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, and maybe LSU is a little more uh, is motivated to to play South Carolina and do well, or it's one of those things where it, it's real strange. You don't want to go leave it on the floor in, in the conference tournament, you know. And get but gassed about, before the before the NCAA's, right? You don't yeah, want that. The thing about the about, this, about women's is different, though, is you get a week off before you play. I mean, me, me, the next the whole next week, you you know, you don't play. I mean, but basically, this you you won't you won't play again for like another almost two weeks with the women with the women's schedule set up. This was men; you go right into the conference tournament, the NCAA. But with women, uh, you know. They'll play this week. Uh, I think the championship game is Sunday, and then they won't play again until the seventeenth. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't. I would think you would come out and play hard this tournament just to keep sharp. 
so uh, we'll see. I mean, the thing you don't want to do is get somebody hurt in this tournament. Uh, that's like I, I probably have the biggest fear of, of really, really good teams of, is getting your best players hurt. Uh, you want to play well, but you don't want to get hurt. So I think that's that's probably their mission. Let's play well, but let's don't get hurt. And Ron, does it matter what happens in the SEC tournament, or do you believe LSU is going to be firmly locked in as a number two seed for the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens? They're a number two seed. They're not. Their non-conference schedules worked against them all year. Uh, and it's not going to change now. I mean, even they beat South Carolina. I mean, I think the committee would look would look at it like, uh, well, it's, it's supposed it's the SEC tournament doesn't mean anything. Eh. Okay. So no, I think they're locked in the two. Uh, they'll host in Baton Rouge in the first round, and then the uh, first two rounds, right? The first two rounds they would be hosting in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Either uh, you know, Friday, a Friday Sunday, or a yeah. A Thursday, a Thursday, Saturday, or a Friday, Sunday, something like that. I mean, yeah. I know that. Uh, I know that. Uh, I'll be back in time for the second game after I get my tan. <laughs> there it is. By the way, all the talk of you going on a cruise has inspired my wife and I. We're looking at possibly taking our first cruise this year. Um, so I definitely will be hitting you up for, for more recommendations there because neither one of us have been on a cruise ship. Speaking of having some time off, the LSU men's basketball team will have that shortly. They play Missouri tonight in the regular season finale at home, uh, their home finale. Are you even going to go to the game tonight? Well, I've been debating that. It's an 8 o'clock start. You know, it'll be over by 8.10. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, I just, I'm, I'm so tired of watching this team. I, I really am. I'm they just, lost to an Ole Miss team that fired their coach 24 hours before the game. I mean, it's, it's, Ron, it's, it's, it's just so pathetic. I mean, Jesus, play a little defense, will you? I mean, just don't sit there and and, and 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 your defense basically is like the guys who park who park airplanes at at, uh, at airports. To the guys that kind of that they wave the guys in. That's the LSU's defense at Ole Miss. Drive here. Here's a layup. Drive, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll drive in. We're not going to touch you. There it is. There it Good is. God. <laughs> and and congrats. Hey, I'll, I'll congrats to the raging Cajuns. Go kick some tail in the postseason, man. I, I like a. I like to watch a basketball team that plays hard. At least there's one in South Louisiana besides LSU's women. <laughs> Mad dog, thank you for your time, bud. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go work in my tan. I, I played golf yesterday, yesterday, so I got a head start with tan. There yeah. it is, my man. Enjoy it, brother. See ya. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day on Wednesday, of course, is our foodie poll question of the week. We asked you, what's your go-to seafood during Lent 
crawfish, shrimp, fish, or other. And other could be crabs, could be oysters, could be calamari, whatever. Right now, 44% of you say shrimp, 31% say crawfish, 19% say fish, and 6% say other. Let's get to some new comments. We already talked about Ralph talking about going with the seafood platter, and that's a shout-out to him. I do like a good seafood platter. Hart on Twitter says, Y'all talking about beef and seafood has me craving a surf and turf pool boy from Daryl's now. Thanks, guys. Hart, just to let you know, I enjoyed the Daryl's special yesterday before going out to the game. It's usually my go-to, and it is a sloppy mess in... A magnificent sandwich. How can you not love Daryl's? <laughs> I'm just saying. How can you not love Daryl's? Keep those votes coming, though, on our poll question of the day. You, did you answer? Did you did you give an answer on what your go to for the poll question? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking about it. I voted shrimp. You know, as a kid, we used to get like the uh, they do the fish fries at the you know at the school around oh, the corner. Oh yeah. So that was always common. Now, I mean, shrimp is like my I, I love shrimp. I mean, I really do. So I probably say shrimp. But we did crawfish on the first. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know if I have a go to. It's just kind of like whatever you know, whatever the option is. You just love the seafood. I do love seafood. There yes. it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Loving the seafood. Yeah, I, I go shrimp, and I love shrimp any way it's done. Fried, boiled, in a scampi. Everything that is mentioned by Bubba and Forrest Gump, I will eat. Shrimp cocktail, all day long. All day long. I just love the shrimp. My daughter loves shrimp as well. My wife loves shrimp. It is delightful. You know, I, I don't think I could live without shrimp. I do love shrimp that much. I do love shrimp that much. Now I'm thinking, it's 7.55 in the morning. I'm thinking about how can I get my hands on some shrimp today? You ever had prawn? Yes, that is other parts of the world shrimp. Different species, though, just so you know. Yes. You are all about, like, someone watches the Discovery Channel. No, I mean, you know what? You know what my go-to show me my dad always used to watch is was diners, drive-ins, and dives as far as food. Triple D. Oh, oh, dude, I'm the a guy fairy. Guy oh yeah, we love guy. We and love. You know guy. what we did for a while was kind of when we were on road trips, we would try to find a restaurant that he had been to. Yes. And uh, you know, few of them it worked out well for us. We've kind of found the problem sometimes is that those places then get really, really popular really, and, really and popular. kind of jump the prices way up. And we've had like, you know, uh, and the lines are super, super an eighteen dollar turkey sandwich, and you're going, you know, it was on the show, but I don't know if this was really a worthwhile experience. <laughs> hey, he sent off an email to Guy. Guy, appreciate what you did for this place, but uh yeah, man. You made a turkey sandwich be eighteen dollars. I uh, my wife and I do that. We also did uh Man versus Food. Oh, here you go. That was see, that was our original one. And we would With always go to places where Adam went. That and, was our that yeah. was our guy. And anytime we go out of town or uh, anything like that, we try to hit one of those spots. So yep. it was began with Adam, but then it became Guy. So it's like, okay, well, we see it. Let's go check it out. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So, yeah. I'm I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Oh, I love road trips. 
Love road trips. Two hours are in the books. And I know that makes you sad. Because you're like, oh, man, we're just loving what RP3 and D-Lo are doing. But not to worry. We still got one more hour to go. Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us. What does he make of Derek Carr meeting with the Saints Panthers in Jets? Who poses the biggest threat to the Saints getting the former Raiders quarterback? We'll also talk about their moves that they're making with the restructuring of contracts and more. That's coming up, but we'll kick off our number three with the voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the man who will be in Pensacola this weekend calling games, Jay Walker. That'll be next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajun basketball teams will be looking to win a championship in Pensacola at the Bay Center. The men, of course, got the number two seed. They won't play until Saturday night at 7.30 as they receive the double bye. They'll play the winner of Georgia Southern versus ULM. The Raging Cajun women, Gary Broadhead's team, they play tonight. They got the seven seed. They'll be taking on App State, and that'll be this evening there at the Pensacola Bay Center to give us a preview of the conference tournament is the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Another bald and beautiful one, Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm, uh, dude, I'm on the beach. How do you think I am? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> you know, we check, check in yesterday afternoon, and, and I look, and, and I get to my room, and I look, and I can see water, and then I realize I'm not even on the beach side, okay? So, uh, you go out the back door and the beach is right there. So, uh, you know what? Uh, I can hear you, know, you hear the waves, very serene. Oh, so but look, amazing. I got I to gotta ask you. I got to ask you this. All right. You know, just to show you how radio has changed, okay? If Dawson was doing this 20 years ago, all right, there's no way that he would use the name Isola, okay? He would, he would change it to something else. Right, he would be forced uh, to. He would be reg- someone would tell him to change his name, just like someone would tell me to change my last name for radio purposes. Correct. Yes, correct. So if he wants to do that, I'm suggesting Creek. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. <laughs> oh, I love that. Here he comes. Here he comes. Yeah, I've never heard that reference before. I don't know. It's not been suggested to me every phase of my life for every single oh. significant event. <laughs> Oh, it was just like me, everyone for the longest time. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, we we get it. We you watch television. Uh, <laughs> hey, I asked Bob this yesterday when he was on the show, Jay, because I said I I made a joke about how close McGuire's is to the you know the base center, and you know they have great food there. We ate there the last time Kevin and I went to the for the conference tournament, and he said, "Oh yeah, you get great this." And he made he gave a couple of recommendations, but then he also said, "If you want a great sit down meal, he said you got to go to the Grand Marlin." Have you been to the Grand Marlin in Pensacola, Jay? I have not been to the Grand Marlin, 
Um, you know, I look, the only grand Marlin I know is the guy coaching this basketball team. There it is. Um, you know, I, so no, I have not been there. Tell you what we ate last night. Uh, I was with, uh, uh, Nick White, who's the uh, general manager of Warhawk sports properties and, and Mike Hammett who does their radio. And we walked to a place like, you know, right next to the hotel. And it was like, all you can eat crab legs at a, at an unreasonable price, but you couldn't say no to them. Um, so yeah, that's what I did last night. And, oh. and and they, after the third plate, they said, "Do you want any more?" And I said, "Yeah, but I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of cracking them, so I'm going to stop." <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired. Oh, you're living your best life, bud. You're living your best life. Let's talk about the. Let's start off with the men because, yeah, Bob had talked about you know the struggles in second half of games uh, during the 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 second half really of the conference uh, slate. On Friday, they wrap up the regular season, and they do so in convincing fashion. They played a great second half of basketball. I know it wasn't perfect. It never is. But you, you got to feel good about how the team wrapped up the regular season, first undefeated home slate in the Cajun Dome era, especially how they played in the second half, Jay. Well, you know, I mean, first of all, they beat the hottest team in the league. Yep. You know, South Alabama had won eight out of nine, and they were not only winning – they were demolishing people, and uh, you know, I, you know, because of the fact that the Cajuns had never gone undefeated at the Cajun Dome, I was really concerned about that game because South is really playing well. But I thought the Cajuns did a very good job, especially defensively, uh, in in the second half of the game. And while Moore got his, and he's always going to get his, they pretty much were able to shut down the rest of that offense and. Uh, because of that, you know, they, they got out of there with a double-digit win, and I would not have predicted that. You know, I, I would have said if the Cajuns would have won, they probably would have won it like they did at South Alabama, where they got, you know, a big bucket in the final 40 seconds to win by four. Um, so I, I was very impressed with the job that they did winning that game. And you're right. They close out the hottest team in the conference. I mean, that's a team that drubbed Southern Miss the regular season champion by more than 30 points. So, and just a couple weeks ago. So, very, uh, very impressive. They get the two seed. And, and, and Jay, when we look at this conference tournament format, the last couple of years, we've seen the regular season champ get eliminated fairly early. We've seen it happen to Texas State not once, but twice. You look at the bracket, Southern Miss has to deal with maybe South Alabama. They have to deal with James Madison. I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, look, you have to win three games if you're the Cajuns no matter what. But I do like their draw. I'm not going to lie to you. I, they, they're the two seed. I know they're disappointed because they didn't get the regular season title, but I do kind of like their draw. You know, I think that the quarterfinals on Saturday – It's going to be some of the most competitive basketball that we have seen in the quarterfinal round, maybe ever. Because as you mentioned, you know, Southern Miss could be hooking up with South Alabama, who just beat them by 30. The Cajuns were down 19 at halftime to Georgia Southern. Yep. And Georgia Southern didn't have Andre Sabrasov or Ty Strickland for, uh, for that game. And then you've got the three-seed Marshall looking at Old Dominion. That's a rivalry game, and anything can happen. And then you have Troy and James Madison. Troy's playing pretty good basketball right now. JMU 
hasn't been great away from home. So, you know, I don't think anybody's got a cakewalk to the settings. And if it, honestly, if you if you do get to the semifinals, if you're the higher seed, you like your matchup. Uh, because, you know, I think Southern Miss has an advantage over a James Madison or a Troy. And Marshall does not match up well with the Cajuns because Marshall does not have a physical inside game. So I, I think that this – I think Saturday's going to be a great day, dude. Man, I I just may have to get there right at the beginning and watch all four of them. I'm, um, I think we're going to see some really good basketball on Saturday. I agree with you. The quarterfinals are going to be immensely entertaining. And here's the thing. We've talked about this. The top four teams in the conference had really good years, but the five through seven team, like five, six, and seven, they closed the gap in a big way the last month of the season. So I think anything could happen in that quarterfinal round on uh, on Saturday for the Sunbelt men. Let me ask you this, Jay. Great season for the Cajuns. You know this team better than anyone else. What's going to be the key for Bob Marlin's team to be able to make a run and be able to win the whole thing and and get that bid to the NCAA tournament? Balance. Um, I I think they've got to be balanced. You can't have a day where where Greg Williams and and Dalcourt and Garnett, where they just go ahead and, you know, make a lot of three-point shots, but – they, they don't get anything out of Jordan Brown. Now, that, that hasn't happened very often, but there have been a couple of games this year where people have been able to hold Jordan down a little bit. Conversely, if, you know, if Jordan goes and gets 26, but the Cajuns go twofer um, from the arc, they're not going to win this tournament. So I, I think balance is key. I, I, you know, Brown doesn't have to get 26 points, but if he can go out and get 16 and 8, and the Cajuns can make six, seven, eight threes per game, I think they've got a very good chance. But I think balance is going to be the key. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's switch over to the women. Uh, a tough way to end the season for Gary Broadhead's team. They had lost three straight. They, they could have won any of those games, in, in particular the regular season finale, which they lost in overtime. But Gary's team, the way they play defense, it's kind of built for a tournament. And I kind of like their draw as well. And they've already proven if they do get past tonight's opponent, they've already beaten Texas State once this season. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they couldn't do it again. What do you think is going to be the big key for Gary's team in Pensacola starting tonight? Well, I, you know, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. You know, once this whole thing settled, you know, I, I made a mistake. Hard to believe, right? Um, but I made a mistake when I was doing the broadcast because I got the, the tiebreaker wrong between Arkansas State and App State. And I thought the Cajuns were going to be playing Arkansas State, which would have been a, a, not a good draw for them uh, right off the bat. App is not a bad draw. The Cajuns beat them double digits over in Boone. You win that one, and now you have Texas State. Not only did you beat them, but you beat them 20 at their house earlier in the year. Now Texas State won the last meeting, and they're playing a lot better. And But they can take the court knowing they can beat that team because they've already done it. And then you're looking at Southern Miss, a team that they should have beaten twice. You know, Southern Miss walked out of there 
with a win in both games because the Cajuns missed opportunities to put that game away in both of those games. So I, I think the bracket sets up well for him. Now, I honestly think, even though there was a three-way tie for first, I honestly think James Madison's probably the best team um, in the league. It, but it doesn't mean they're going to get to the finals. So um, we'll see. But I, I, I like the way the bracket sets up. I, I think the key uh, for the Cajuns, first of all, they, they've, they've got to continue the good defense that they've played all year long. But for Gary's team, it always comes down to making shots. You know, if you go out and you shoot 40% for a Gary Broadhead team, you've got a chance to win more often than not because your defense is going to help to carry you. But they can't go out and shoot 26% and hope to win maybe even tonight. Um, so, you know, look, score the basketball. That's always the key for the Cajun women. Bud, we'll get you out here with this. Uh, I know you obviously were in Pensacola, so Cody was on the call last night. We saw him in Lake Charles. Kevin and I did for the baseball game. It ended up being a heck of a ball game. They fought their way back and just fell a little short against the old I-10 rival. It's still early in the season, but give me your big takeaway so far from what you're seeing from Matt Deggs' squad. I think this team has a chance to be really good, Ray. Um, you know, offensively, look, they're going to score runs. They're going to score runs at some point in time, and, and, and it, it may have started last night, but at some point in time, Rockford's going to bust loose. Uh, Brock is going to bust loose. And uh, this team's going to score runs. They're going to score a lot of runs. Um, they have to figure out the pieces to the puzzle with the pitching staff. I think there's talent there. They're, they're walking too many people. I think everybody knows that. But, you know, just to show you the kind of stuff they have, in the 2-1 to game against BYU, Cajun pitchers walked 10. Five of them came out of the bullpen. But the bullpen didn't allow a single hit during that time, which is why they were able to walk 10 and still win. Once they get those pieces figured out, because there is some talent there, then I think they take the big step forward. Um, and, and that's probably, you know, that's – they still got to figure that out. It's probably going to take them at least a couple more weeks. Um, but once they get that figured out, then I think this is going to be a really good team that will have a chance to challenge for a championship. Jay, appreciate you, Tom, as always, brother. Uh, Foot and I will see you on Friday as we make the trip over to Pensacola, and hopefully it will be a long weekend, my friend, there. See you then, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Go Cajuns. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. You guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All 
obviously a lot of respect for what they do. Um, look, all the non-conference games are the same um, in, in that you know regard. Uh, that's why we felt comfortable with going with the guys, you know, and burning Morrow for you know at least part of the weekend. Um, and, and look, this is the time you start to find who guys are and what what they do. So um, I thought that was really big in, in doing that. So I mean, when are they going to pitch? Are they going to start? Are they going to kind of the bullpen? You know, we we, we got to see. You know what I'm saying? We got to see. So I mean, it, we got we got a little bit of time before the you know obviously conference starts. And uh, but you know we're going to enjoy this one tonight. That's McNeese longtime skipper Justin Hill after the McNeese Cowboys defeated the Louisiana Raging Cajuns 5-4 to four at Joe Miller Ballpark, a.k.a. the Joe last night in Lake Chuck. Big win for McNeese as they are coming off a weekend series win as well. Now they got the midweek game, and they got to do a quick turnaround, though, because they traveled to Baton Rouge to take on Southern tonight in another midweek game, and you know, they got a good performance last night from Kane and Morrow. Six innings, only gave up two hits, struck out six, did walk four and hit another batter. But he went and ate up a lot of innings, which allowed Justin Hill to only use two arms coming out of the bullpen, which is key, especially for a quick turnaround for another midweek contest. And he talked about, you know, how big was it that they only had to go to the bullpen twice last night? Well, you know, I mean, knowing you got two games, I mean, I thought that was big. I mean, in the, this game was the, obviously the priority with that one. Um, Morrow, get, you know, getting us, getting us through six. I mean, that was huge. And then Ty doing a great job in the seventh, just shortening the game. Uh, and us being able to do that, you know that offense is going to come around. And so we just had enough. Uh, we, 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 we held them down just long enough um, to be able to kind of hang on to the game. And look, it, it was a slow start to the season for this team. You know, they dropped two or three to Creighton, and then they dropped a, a midweek game. So, you know, they're just now at 500. It's early in the season. And, look, you know what the question marks are for McNeese. It's about the the pitching staff. You know they have some actual just straight-up dogs in that lineup with Peyton Harden, who's the all-time, you know, hits leader in program history, and Brad Burkle. And, you know, they got some guys there that can rake – they have some guys. It all comes down to the pitching, and if they can figure that out, you know, this is, looks like a team that could be going to an NCAA regional. And for those of our listeners who are over in Lake Chuck or in the area that want to go to Joe Miller Ballpark, how about 15 of the next 17 games they play being at home? It's a, and that is a, a long stretch of home baseball. It's a nice park as well. It's right there on campus, right by the Legacy Center and the football stadium. You know, it, it, it's they've done some redid some things because a lot of it was damaged during the hurricanes. They have the awning now back up behind the, you know, behind home plate around there. So it's covered. They have the new press box. So they're doing some things there. And looks like they may have started to kind of start turning a corner. It's still early in the season. They still got to figure out their pitching. But Hill talked about, you know, Hey, does he feel like his team is actually starting to, you know, build something? I, I think it's really more of just, you know, you know, guys playing with consistency. You know, I mean, the, the, the best way to, to have the momentum, obviously, is the next day starting pitcher. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, momentum and those kind of things kind of happen with consistency. And um, we showed, we've, we, we've shown, you know, really good things. We've shown things like how poor we can play sometimes. And so it's just a matter of playing, playing better baseball more often. On the flip side, the Raging Cajuns, Look, they didn't have their best night at the plate until late. 
the first six innings, they had six strikeouts and only two hits, and only one of them was an extra base hit. But I did like what I saw late, that they fought, they kept going, right? They kept scrapping, and they made this a close game and made it interesting, made it wildly entertaining there at the end. And Matt Deggs uh, discussed and shared his thoughts on the loss to McNeese afterwards. You know, credit to them. They beat us at our own game tonight, and uh, they destroyed fastballs all night long, and uh, they were able to jump two balls out of here that that really mattered. And uh, they played error-free defense. They stole bases. They threw runners out, all things that we're accustomed to doing. And uh, we got started too late and ran out of innings. I don't think it was a matter of want to. I think it was a matter of fixing our approach and uh, finally uh, waking up towards the end of the game and getting going. Not only did the Cajuns get held in check for the first six innings, they also had two errors in this game. You know, so they didn't play their best game. Two errors. Lineup was held in check. You finally got Carson Rockefort kind of going. He was two for three last night with a ribby. Kyle DeBarge, who was 0 for 4 in this game, finally got a hit late, which, you know, he got off the the, the schneid a little bit. And, and his hit... Boy, that could have been, that could have changed the outcome of this game. I mean, I, what he was able to do, it, it brought in a run because he hit it to deep to right. But what if that ball goes over the fence, right? That game could have very well have gone to extra innings. And Deggs talked about DeBarge's hit there in the top of the ninth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, get under a little bit, and it's a it's a jack. He hit it so hard, you know, fast. He's one of the fastest guys on the field. It's a single, but they don't hold him. I don't know. Uh, I'm still second, and I've got him in scoring position. Just trying to get Rock to the plate right there, and uh, you know, it wasn't our night. But uh, love these boys. I love the way they play, and bounce back on Friday. They're still figuring things out. Great start to the season, six and two. And midweek games are what they are. We've had lengthy discussions on this show, on this station, about midweek games. Starting to get Carson going, you'd like to see Max get going. You did see John Taylor come in for him and replace him in the game. So you still got to get a couple of their big bats going still. But I have immense confidence that that's going to happen. Uh, the other thing is just figuring out the pitching, right? That's the big question mark for this team. Last night, Brendan Moody, six innings, four runs on only three hits, walked two batters, struck out two. A pretty good performance. And maybe Moody becomes their go-to midweek guy, and they just have to figure out the rest. But I think this team, if they can figure out the pitching, they can have a really special season. And they have a big weekend ahead. Look, Kevin and I will be in Pensacola covering the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But there's going to be a heck of a baseball series taking place at the Teague. And we'll have you covered. James Mesh, Matt Miguez will be manning the fort, so to speak, this weekend at the Teague. Because the Campbell Camels come to town, a silly name, but this is a quality ball club. This is a, a team that went to an NCAA regional a year ago. And as Dawson mentioned earlier, they scored, I do believe you said, 1,272 runs in a four-game series. I think it was 1,273. There we go. Uh, they can rake. So you're going to see some fireworks at the Teague this weekend. And Deggs talked about how much they're looking uh, 
forward and looking ahead to the weekend series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to playing those guys. They're a great program. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want to look past this one and, and uh, don't know that we did as much as they, they beat us at our game tonight. So, Cajuns get back to it. That should be a good series. I'm excited about going to the conference tournament, but, man, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on what the Cajuns uh, do with the Camels. Because, yet, you know, Rice was a good test early on the road. You took two or three there. BYU was a good program, won 30 games a year ago, and they took two of four from Louisiana Tech, who was an NCAA regional team last year. And now you get an NCAA regional team coming into your place for a three-game weekend set. So, uh, some good weekend series here for the Raging Cajuns baseball team. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk Saints. Derek Carr sweepstakes. Are the Saints still the front runner? How much of a threat do the Panthers pose to that? What do we make of these moves of restructuring the contracts? And what is going to be the approach to the NFL draft for Mickey Loomis and Company? We'll do so with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour Podcast. That's coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camaro. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the big easy blitz here on RP3 and Company. Uh, we are efforting getting Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast here for the Big Easy Blitz. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What is your go-to? What is your go-to seafood during Lent? Right now, 43% of you say shrimp. 31% say crawfish. 17% say fish, and 9% of you say other. Make sure to get those votes in. Get your comments in as well. Steve has chimed in. I'm a fish guy. My go-to is pecan-crusted mahe and any kind of boiled seafood. Grilled oysters are second. Now I'm hungry. How long before lunch? I want to go where you're going for lunch, Steve, and then are you going to be paying for us to tag along? Because that sounds amazing. <laughs> Who'd have forever says, if I want to treat myself lobster, but other than that, crabs all the way. But I'm sure never going to turn down a tray of crawfish either. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week on Wednesdays. And now we're going to talk a little New Orleans Saints with our guy from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Mr. Andrew Juge, joins us now. Andrew, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Everything's good, Raymond. Good to talk to you. Appreciate you making the time, but okay, so we know that Derek Carr is going to be taking a sweet time here, and I don't blame him. We get to wine and dine a little bit, right? Get to see what it all comes down to, and it's really come down to three teams, it appears. Reports are that he met and was interviewed by the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jets in Indianapolis during the scouting combine. I've said this for a while. 
I know the Jets can give him more fame and fortune. They can give him more money. If you win in New York, it's a bigger deal. We all know that. But I think the biggest threat for the Saints in getting Derek Carr is the Carolina Panthers. And I think it all boils down to the relationship between he and his coach that's been damaged in the years past with his time with the Raiders. I think he's looking for someone that he can trust, that respects him. Frank Reich is a guy that is going to be a serious threat in that department for the Saints. Do you agree with my take? Well, yeah, you mentioned that Derek Carr's taking his sweet time, and yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously you're down at three teams. I think there's a reality that Carolina is picking in the top ten, and so there are other avenues they can explore, including getting maybe one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. Um, it, you know, They may need to move up to do that, but that's at least something that's in the cards for them, and at least so far, they're the only team that hasn't had an in-person visit with Carr. So uh, I don't know how serious that is. And then, of course, with the Jets, uh, you have a situation where maybe they're still waiting on a decision from Aaron Rodgers. They'd be interested in maybe getting in the sweepstakes with him uh, if he were to return to the league and maybe want to pursue a trade. So to me, really, the only team that's been all in on Derek Carr so far is the Saints. Uh, and they've been the one – so I – I hear what you're saying, but at the end of the day, I still think that's, at least for today, that's the most likely destination. Uh, I still think the Saints are in pole position here now. You know this in the NFL. Look, I felt that way about Deshaun Watson last year for about 48 hours. I thought he was going to New Orleans. So things can change really quickly. Um, But uh, I would say as we sit here today, um, I kind of think Derek Carter, New Orleans, still makes the most sense. Now, I will say this. This is a very difficult needle to thread for Derek Carr's agent because he has the advantage of coming into free agency before everyone else. And so he has a chance to kind of talk to teams that have openings and and explore this before all of the other quarterbacks that will be free agents. But there's a lot of decisions that will kind of affect his market here in the coming days and, and coming weeks. Obviously, we talked about Rodgers and his decision, but then you've got Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. And Lamar Jackson, those are three quarterbacks potentially getting franchise tagged. And obviously, if they get franchise tagged, that's a good thing for Derek Carr and his market. Uh, if those three quarterbacks were to not get franchise tagged, then all of a sudden you've got three players that are competition for in that open market for quarterbacks that would be available. And that's a bad thing for Derek Carr's market. So, again, I, I go back to that statement that I think his agent has to be very careful here. I think it's good to take your time to try to do your best to get your your player the best contract possible, but you have to be very careful about what's about to become available on the market because if you have a plethora of options all of a sudden, that serves to decrease uh, his potential value on the market. Correct, and we're going to see more guys get cut here, right? I mean, we saw Marcus Mariota get cut. We expected that. That happened yesterday, so that's another team that could be in the market for a quarterback. I, I, I'm not sold on Desmond Ritter. I, I don't know if the Falcons are sold on Desmond Ritter. They took him in the third round. Uh, but we expect a change in Tennessee maybe as well. Ryan Tannehill could become available. Uh, so there's going to be some teams that are going to be looking for veteran quarterbacks. And there could be some musical chairs here where you're right, Carr may not you know, want to wait too long. And then everyone's holding their breath for the Aaron Rodgers coming out of darkness retreat. I mean, I don't know. It sounds silly to me. When I was a kid, you know, darkness retreat is, you know, when we didn't pay our power bill. 
I, I don't know why you would go to that thing on purpose, but I digress. I'm, I'm not hearing Rodgers. Uh, how soon do you think a deal will get done with the Saints? If you, if you believe they're still the front runner, when do you think, how long do you think Saints fans have to wait here, Andrew? Uh, honestly, I don't know. And it, it could take a while. Uh, I, I have a hard time imagining that Derek Carr would take this all the way up to March 15th, which is free agency, because then that's when other players get introduced. That's when Jimmy Garoppolo hits the market. Uh, by the way, Carson Wentz is another guy that just got released. And so he, he's a guy that's available now. And while I don't think that Carson Wentz at this stage is, is necessarily competition for Derek Carr, I think Derek Carr is a more appealing option on the open market. I think as we get closer to March 15th, there becomes more clarity, there becomes more availability, and there becomes more options for teams to explore for starting quarterbacks. So as we hit, sit here today, two weeks away from March 15th, I have a hard time believing that Carr will take it all the way to that date. So uh, I have to believe that maybe in the next 10 days, uh, we'll have resolution one way or another on him. I have a hard time seeing it go past that. But uh, look, again, his agent has to thread the needle here and make a decision on what's best for his client. And, and I do think the longer he takes this, uh, the bigger the risk for his player. If for some reason they don't get Derek Carr, and I, I still lean towards they're going to get him, and the contract yeah. really won't matter because Mickey Loomis is a magician. He understands how to manipulate the salary cap better than anyone else in the entire league. So if people that are worried about the salary cap number and worried about the money – you're not been you haven't been paying attention to how Mickey Loomis runs the Saints for the last 20 years. Okay, so let's just go ahead and kill that and get that out of the way. I still think they get him, but what if they don't? What do they do then, Andrew? Who do they go to to look to be their quarterback in 2023? There's a lot of options. Look, I think if Daniel Jones or or Geno Smith were available on the open market, uh, I think you have to explore those two options. I think those are quarterbacks that, you know, ha have been kind of up and down in their careers. Uh, I think both of them uh, kind of had the best season of their career last year. And so the, the arrow is kind of pointing up for those two players. And so those are probably two that I would explore. I got to be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo to me is, is a path I would not explore because uh, while he's won a lot of games, uh, we know that he's been kind of prop propped up in a system with the 49ers that, is very friendly to quarterbacks. It's loaded with talent, stacked roster. And I don't know how effective Jimmy Garoppolo would be. Now, he doesn't have the big-time arm that Geno Smith or Derek Carr have. And, uh, you know, when you have receivers like Olave and Shahid, you want to be able to push the ball down the field with a strong arm. To me, that Garoppolo would not represent a significant upgrade over Andy Dalton, especially when you consider some of the injuries that he's had more recently. And, and he's had trouble staying on the field. So, you know, I, I think the Saints could resort back to, look, if they if they strike out on Carr, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, they, if they try to get in the, in the, into play with all those guys, then you're kind of looking at the second-tier market, and it starts to get pretty underwhelming pretty quickly. We'd be talking about Baker Mayfield, uh, probably running it back with Andy Dalton. Oh. And I think if you go down that path, oh. then it's, cle it's clear you got have to draft a guy. You have to have a guy waiting in the wings that you can develop uh, because to me, those guys are only bridges. They would not be even a short-term solution, really. Uh, so it gets bleak pretty quickly if you strike out on those guys. So hopefully the Saints look. I, again, uh, they're all in on Carr right now. They're the team that's shown the most interest. They're trying to get this done. They're trying to push this past the finish line. Uh, and uh, I think things get more complicated pretty quickly if they don't land him. We know quarterback is a priority. 
But I have said for a while that I believe running back should be one of the top three priorities for this team. They did not utilize Alvin Kamara the right way last year. Mark Ingram is washed. They keep trying to pick guys off the trash heap and throwing them out there, and it's just not working the last couple years. Running back should be a priority, and now it probably is even more of a priority, Andrew, because of the Alvin Kamara suspension that is just, let's be honest, it will happen this coming season. Uh, at least going to be six games. How much of a priority should running back be for the Saints? I completely agree with you that it should be. It's critical. It's the only way to put it. I mean, if you look at Mark Ingram, he says he's not retiring. Uh, Maybe the Saints give him an invite to come back in camp, but I don't think at this stage of his career and with the ailments he's been dealing with with his knee uh, that realistically uh, you can count on him to be your number two this year. Look, you have Eno Benjamin in the building, and he's a guy who, who showed some things a little bit last year with different teams, but he played for three teams. And uh, I think part of that is maybe some off-the-field stuff, but I don't know that that's a guy you can count on either. So I don't really see a backup to Alvin Kamara, and it's kind of two-pronged with Kamara. The first point is the one you just made about a looming suspension, um, but there's also utilization problems. I, I don't know that the Saints utilized Kamara to the best of his strengths and abilities last year. And when Alvin Kamara has been at his best, he's had a complimentary back. It used to be Mark Ingram when he was at his best, but he's had a complimentary back that can kind of take the load off going in between the tackles, taking those big hits, moving the chains. Uh, Latavius Murray was another one that did a good job with that for a year uh, or two with, uh, with Kamara. So they need that back. And I got to be honest with you, that 29th pick, I would seriously consider making the move there because if you look at, the draft and how it typically plays out when you pick 29 you're probably going to get the fourth or fifth best quarterback uh the fourth or fifth best receiver tackle pass rusher cornerback those primary positions they're all the top guys are all going to go in the top 20 picks so when you pick 29 you kind of have a choice to make you can go for one of those prime positions and you're probably going to get the fourth or fifth best guy or you can take maybe the top player at a secondary position. And so now you start to look at running back guard, defensive tackle position, all positions of need for the saints and running back, maybe at the top of the list. And look, if let's say Bijan Robinson, if he's available at number 29, the running back out of Texas, I make that pick. And uh, I think that's something that could serve them well for a really long time. And that's the philosophy that's helped them in the past. We saw them do that. They already had Ricky, they drafted Deuce in the first round. They already had Deuce. They drafted Reggie in the first round. They already had Mark Ingram. They still took Kamara. Like, they, they know what they're doing, and this would be the time of that. I understand you want to shore up the defensive line. I get all that, but I agree with you, Andrew. I think the number one priority for their draft, if B. John Robinson's there at 29, you, you, you don't hesitate. You draft that kid, and you move on. You sprint to the podium, as they say, yeah. Raymond, and you turn the pick in immediately, but – Yeah, look, no, I I think they have to add a running back. I was told last year that the offensive staff really wanted to draft a running back. And uh, there were several guys, uh, Algier out of uh, that ended up going to uh, to the Falcons and uh, uh, Walker, who ended up going to Seattle. There was a couple guys that were on their board at different spots in the draft, and they just missed out getting a running back by a couple picks each time where they had a guy that was at the top of their board. They were going to pick him. He gets selected a few picks before them, and then they have to adjust and pivot and pick another player. So 
I know one of the big disappointments that the Saints had last year in the draft process was that at three on three different occasions, there was a guy they had penciled in that they just narrowly missed out on. They end up not drafting a running back. They get Abram Smith as an undrafted rookie free agent who they liked. Uh, he doesn't really pan out. And so that ended up leaving him really thin at running back. And uh, look, a lot of times at the draft, sometimes the board comes to you and you get a little bit unlucky with what you want to do. Uh, but I think it's got to be a priority this year. Andrew, appreciate the time as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, final results of the poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to seafood during Lent? 42% of you say shrimp, 30% say crawfish, 16% say fish, and 12% say other. That could be lobster or crab or calamari. Thanks to all who voted on our poll question of the day. Thanks to all who left their comments as well on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Jude's from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Woo, good show. Getting closer and closer to making that road trip to Pecola. Someone's going to be making a road trip to the Cajun Prairie tonight. Shout out to our guy, Dawson Iserlow. He's headed over to LSUE tonight to cover the playoff game for the men's basketball team. Byron Starks team looking to get a win and move on. So best of luck to the Bengals tonight. Enjoy yourself on the Cajun Prairie. You should have a good time, my friend. For the producer, Dawson Eiserlow, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot.